Hi everyone, I'm Mosey Truitt, and welcome to the podcast where we explore the amazing and vast wisdom of horses, as well as the incredible and magical connection they share with their human companions. Welcome to In the Spirit of Horse. everybody. How are you guys? Uh, Hello and uh, welcome to In the Spirit of Horse. Today we are going to be talking about a topic that I think is really important for horses nowadays, especially horses living with humans, domestic horses. Most of us have those types of horses. Um, Yeah, just any horses living in our human-designed lifestyle. And our topic today is about boredom. Boredom affects most uh, horses, most domestic horses. And I would even say that most horses nowadays are chronically bored. You see a lot of examples of this with things like cribbing and pacing and, you know, the kind of obvious neurological issues. But I think there's also a lot of signs of chronic boredom that we just don't really see, or or actually more accurately, we just see as normal now. Before we can start training and really deepening our relationship, I feel like we need to fulfill the basic needs, the inherent needs of the horse. And some of these needs are quite obvious, and most people fulfill them, such as food and water is one of the first needs. Most equestrians fulfill that for their horse. Sadly, not everyone fulfills that, but um, I would say the majority know that that is a pretty uh, crucial and undisputable need of the horse. The next is herd and safety, because those kind of go hand in hand. Horses are obviously herd animals. They form really strong bonds, and horses really need companions. It's an actual need of the horse. And that's for friendship, companionship, but also for safety so that they can lie down at night and they can feel secure in their environment. Not everyone is necessarily able to supply that for their horse, although I really recommend that you do or that you try your hardest to, that we all try our hardest to provide that for them because it's a, it's a very fundamental need of the horse. But I'd say that, you know, many people recognize that as a need. The next is space. Horses need space. They're really big animals and they need exercise and they need room to just move their big bodies around. Sadly, I don't think as an equestrian culture, we really give our horses enough space, but I know a lot of people try to provide the best for their horses in this area. And it can be hard because space can be expensive and or just not available. Like where I live in um, Southern California, it's, I'm very lucky to have a lot of space for my horses, but I mean, there's really not actually that much space around. There's not like rolling pastures like you might find in Montana. So space is something that I think a lot of us try to give our horses, whether it's with turnout or, or by actually trying to get them into bigger paddocks or pastures, hopefully, you know, we, we try our best here. And what we're going to talk about today actually can kind of work to fulfill some of the space needs if you are limited on space for your horse. 
The fifth need of the horse is mental stimulation, and this is where boredom starts to play in. This year, I've spent a lot of time out with wild horses, camping and um, taking a few different trips, and it's been wonderful and just amazing to be with them. And this need of the horse, while I was out there with them, really started to become even more clear to me the more I watched wild ho- wild <laughs> water ha 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 wild horses, um, because we're so used to seeing chronically bored horses and we're so used to seeing horses that are shut down and broken that sometimes we forget just how inquisitive and playful and mentally stimulated horses are designed to be. Wild horses, if you think about it, they are seeing new territory all day long. They are walking miles and miles a day, seeing new things. You know, so a certain band or herd, they might walk around their herd lands, but even if they're walking in a similar path or in their lands that they know, they're seeing new things. The land is changing. They're built to handle that and they're built to be curious. They're like insanely curious animals and very smart. And you can see that in the wild horses. You see the life of a wild horse and, you know, what they're enduring and what they are watching every day and what they're experiencing every day. And then you compare it to a domestic horse and the difference is just really insane. And then it's like, no wonder a lot of the horses feel shut down, you know, besides the training and breaking and all of that with their spirit, which definitely adds to being shut down a hundred percent. But also just the way that they're kept, the their mental stimulation is something we don't think about that often necessarily, but it plays such a huge part in their well-being and in how happy they are. So I like to think a lot about what we can do to add to a horse's mental stimulation, to add a bit of seasoning and fun and interest to their lives. How can we do that in a in our human world? Because, you know, a lot of us don't necessarily have access to huge pastures where we can let our horses live like wild horses. I'd say that's the goal. That's the dream for me. That's not necessarily the reality of everyone's circumstance. So we have to think of ways that we can fulfill this need for them, that we can support them in this very crucial need of theirs. I remember that I used to hear and I probably used to think too that riding was the mental stimulation a horse needed, that they um, needed to be worked in that way and that that would keep them sharp and get their mind going. But I've really come to realize like very surely that riding isn't enough because in riding, the horse isn't making that many choices and the key to mental stimulation is curiosity and it's decision-making and it's problem-solving and bringing a playfulness to their world. So riding for most people, it's, it is more of a work and less of a play. It's a more of a, you know, like telling the horse what to do and less of them exploring But exploration and play, that's really the key to the mental stimulation here. Even liberty riding, you know, where they have perhaps more say or you're riding bridalist or whatever you might be doing, 
I don't think that's enough either. It can be great fun and it can add to the play, but it's not enough in its entirety. So riding itself is not enough to fulfill this need. So what can we do? How can we help our horses here and how can we enrich their lives? For me, this is where play comes in. This is where play isn't just a luxury for a horse. It's not just, oh yeah, that's great, that horse gets to play, you know, but my horse doesn't need it. Play is actually crucial. Play is significant and it's vital to our lives and to the horse's lives. I mean, I'm actually a person who believes that too much serious can kind of get in your way. Because curiosity and play, they get you out of a panicked, limited mindset. The overprotector of the herd tells the herd, no, don't, don't try anything new. You know, stay safe, stay in your bubble. And there's a time and place for that protector. But the leaders of the herd, they're the horses that are playful. They're the horses that realize they have a good sense of, you know, when to be cautious, when to not be cautious, and they push the boundaries. They take the fear and they turn it into play and they take their fear and they switch it to curiosity and it ends up expanding the herd, which is why they get elected as leaders. And I don't mean elected like voted necessarily upon, but but it's a little bit like that. So I really feel that play for domestic horses is actually an insanely, quote, like productive thing to do. And I think it can really, really help the chronic boredom that we find in a lot of our horses that actually creates a lot of problems. So today I just want to explore three ways we can dive into play and we can help alleviate some of the boredom and bring some fun into our horses' lives. The first is actually what I consider, air quotes, play with my horses, which is play and exploration with positive reinforcement. But not just reinforcing behaviors that they already know or behaviors that, that you want to teach them. The key to this is positive reinforcement where the focus is on the horse exploring and creating herself. So for instance, Annie, who is really, really well-versed in play, we can enter an arena and I might, you know, be out of ideas or I just want to see what she can come up with. And I'll say, I don't really know what to do. Do you have any ideas? And she, because she knows the game so well, will just start coming up with stuff. And it is so fun watching what she comes up with. She comes up with things that are way more creative than I would have thought that I might have come up with. But she knows now. So, you know, you give her an object and she'll do something really novel with it. She's really, really creative and she's really an artist. And I do consider horses amazing, amazing artists. And play is such a great way to get there. Annie, like, needs her mental stimulation. She needs her play. When I'm... Uh, like tired or sick or something. And I'm like, you know, I think we can, we can just take a break today and I'm going to go back inside. She like calls and calls and she like waits by the gate and she's like, nah, 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 we, we're playing one way or another. Like, like we got to do this. And, and I love to see the enthusiasm in her because she loves it. And she's so, so smart. And she's, like I said, just so creative. So this play that's really focused on 
you know, it's a mutual thing. It's a partnership, but sometimes even focusing more on what can the horse teach me or what can the horse bring to the table? Because we're so often more focused on like, what do we want? What do we want to bring to the table? Switching that to the horse, asking them, what can they come up with? It's kind of magical. And I find it to be one of the absolute best ways to fulfill this mental stimulation need of theirs. And mine too, honestly. So if you aren't sure what positive reinforcement play is, I'm going to give just like a really basic idea and the difference between, let's say, pressure and release and positive reinforcement play. So there are four quadrants in learning theory. There's negative reinforcement, positive reinforcement, negative punishment, and positive punishment. So most horsemanship is based in like a pressure and release sort of method, and that is negative reinforcement. I'll probably do another podcast talking about the specifics of each of these quadrants and learning theory itself and how it can really, really help you in your horsemanship. I actually really recommend people looking into um, operant conditioning and understanding the four quadrants because <laughs> but because it gives you a really good, really good reasoning on why different training techniques work. Play in the way I'm going to be talking about today is all done in positive reinforcement. And this is where the horse can really become free to explore and offer and express themselves with you. But so just to give you like a super quick rundown, negative reinforcement is essentially pressure and release. So, you know, you put a pressure on a horse, you put something adverse on a horse, uh, they do what you want, and then you take it away. It's like, sorry, that's just like the most simple definition of it. Um, so all of you, uh, learning theory buffs, sorry, it was just like super simple. Um, but positive reinforcement when used in play goes a little bit more like this. You ask something of the horse and it's just an ask. There's no pressure here. It's just an ask. If they do the cue, you know, or if they, um, do something you like or enjoy, then they get rewarded. So the reward could be you know, anything your horse likes, it can be scratches, it can be treats, it can be praise. Some horses really like verbal praise. It could be more play. Like for Annie, she loves, loves, loves play. So even just continuing the play and doing more and more, that is positive, positively reinforcing. That is rewarding to her. You know, it's really anything your horse likes. You have to know your horse a bit to know what will work there. But a reward of some sort, something good happens. Even just if it's like a good feeling, like for instance, like with people, it could be someone saying they're really proud of you. Some horses really respond to that. Like when they know they've done something that you're really proud of, that's reinforcing, that's positively reinforcing, that's reward. So you ask, then you reward if you like what they, what you see, or, you know, they give a good effort, you reward it and be like, generous with your rewards and then they're more likely to repeat the behavior it's very very simple so then you can put it on cue for instance an example of me coming in and asking annie how would she like to play today maybe we have a cone you know i'm like one of those traffic cones because i have a lot of those actually and i bring it in and i just put it down and i ask annie what would you 
like to do today? What would you like to do with the cone? Like, do you have any ideas? Because I don't, <laughs> but, but you probably do, you smart one. And she'll come in and because she's really well versed in the play, she'll just, just start trying things with the cone. She'll try shaking it. She'll try throwing it over the fence. She'll try sticking her foot on it. She'll try uh, pushing it over. And because she is so well versed in this and she is so, she knows she can be so open and free with it, she'll try so many creative things. And when I like something or when, you know, we want to work on something, we want to take it somewhere, I can reward. So let's say for instance, she comes up and she's shaking the cone and then she shakes and flips it. I can be like, woohoo, that's awesome. Great job. And then reward her for that and tell her she's awesome. Tell her it's great. And, and the key with play is just the whole thing can be so positive. Um, part of positive reinforcement is that if they don't do the cue, there's no punishment. Play is free that way. There's a freedom to make mistakes for horse and human. And, you know, keeping everything safe and whatnot, that freedom to make mistakes is something a lot of broken horses have never experienced. And that's why with this play, it actually, it gets better and better as you go. Because in the beginning, a very broken horse might not even want to engage because they don't trust the process yet. They don't, they're not used to being free with people or being creative or expressing their ideas. So the first step is getting horses, you know, making a safe space where they know they can be free and they can express themselves with you. And that's where play is such a great way to cultivate that trust. It's a great way to bring in the mental stimulation and also to get to know your horse better and to cultivate that trust. So positive reinforcement play is, for me, the one of the number one ways to fulfill this. And the horses love it. And this is play with focus on them leading, on them um, showing me what they got kind of thing. Uh, once they feel free, seem to all love showing off. <laughs> like, why wouldn't they? They're gorgeous and amazing and creative and gah, they're amazing. And they like to show it. They like showing off for other horses and they can like showing off for you too. My second recommendation for fulfilling this need of mental stimulation is actually something that can also fulfill the need of space if you're very limited on it. And that is going on walks or hikes where the horse determines where to go. Now, a lot of people are actually afraid of this because they, they have this feeling that if the horse determines where you guys go, it's like the horse has overthrown you and that you're never going to be able to lead a horse again. You know, they've, they've become spoiled with, uh, <laughs> with power or something. And that, that is just not the case. I find that the more you give the horse the freedom to, you know, some days, where would you like to go? They're actually a lot happier when you say, okay, this is actually where I need to go today. And so it becomes more of a partnership and more of a back and forth. And you don't need to fear giving your horse that freedom. They know the difference. And, you know, despite some kind of popular dominant myths in the horsemanship world, horses aren't trying to constantly get the upper hand. They're not constantly trying to overthrow your kingdomship, you know? A walk is a walk. And if you go out on a walk and you say to the horse, hey, 
where would you like to go today? That doesn't mean that you've been overthrown. It doesn't mean that your power is gone. True power is cultivated within anyway. You don't have to be so worried that your horse is never going to listen again if you give them that freedom. I know that was a fear that I was, it was put on me a lot, that if I gave my horse freedom, I was giving up my position as the boss or um, my ability to work with them or to say what I need. And that just really isn't the case. If you think of your relationship with the horse as a relationship, then you know that you know sometimes you go where your friend wants to go and sometimes they go with you. And and the more that is practiced, the the more seamless it becomes. So with Annie, I can go out and I can say, hey, where would you like to go on a walk today? And she can take me on a walk and it's great. And then if we're on the walk and I realize we're getting into some, like some plants that are not good for her to eat, like something that I know she shouldn't eat and she's walking over to them, I can say, oh, actually, I don't think we should walk there. Like, let, let's walk the other way. And she happily, you know, she's happy to oblige. She's happy to be like, okay, yeah, sounds good. And I think horses are far more capable of that sort of balance in a relationship than we give them credit for. When it's really us, we're not comfortable with that balance. And it's something for us to look at. But what's great about this is that if you, let's say, have very limited space for your horse, taking them on walks where they get to decide where to go gives them the opportunity to make choices, which is crucial. And it gives them the feeling of space that they need. It gives them space with exploration. So definitely still turn them out. You know, definitely do all of that normal stuff, but also take them on walks and let them explore and let them make some decisions about where to go. And you're going to be fulfilling two different needs at once and helping them in, in a really um, good way. My last recommendation for relieving chronic boredom with the horse is to give them novel experiences in their environment. So this doesn't have to be training wise. Um, actually, I'm talking more about the environment they live in. So you see a lot of the like toys for horses. I have to say like in a stall, uh, many horses will have those swinging balls and that <laughs> the swinging ball. you know, like the, a lot of horses will have the um, hanging like apple flavored uh, like toy things hanging from their stalls and a lot of horses will ignore it and it it's not necessarily enough. Um, but that doesn't mean that switching things up in their environment isn't helpful or isn't appreciated in some way. Rather than leave, a, let's say, a hanging one of those swinging apples things that maybe the horse touches once and then like never plays with again, variety is the key here switch it up, put in something novel and safe for them in their pasture or paddock, or even in their stall, if it's safe, put it in there and then take it out and just keep things kind of fresh. Because I know my horses, they live in pretty big pastures, really big for California here. And even the pasture is not enough. Horses are meant to be roaming like miles, like I said, a day. And the pasture that is bigger than a lot of horses get, it's still a kind of boring box 
after a while and uh, I need to switch it up. And so I put in different toys, put in different, um, you know, like the cones, that's a good one. And I don't leave them in there necessarily. I take them out. I put them in, take them out and try to keep it kind of interesting. Try to keep it new and fresh and just switch up their environment a little bit. Some of my horses are in one herd and some are in the other and I'm slowly trying to get them together, but uh, you know how that goes. <laughs> um, hopefully I will soon, but I have two pastures because of that, two different ones, and I will actually switch them from pasture to pasture. So that's not necessarily an option for everyone, but if it's an option for you, it's something to think about. But yeah, there's a lot of different fun things you can put in the pasture and a lot of things you can spice, spice their life up with. And the key is the variety. Even like variety in their food, anything you can do to kind of bring in some something new and different and novel. And not only is this good for relieving boredom, but it also helps horses from becoming skittish of new things because horses are naturally curious. And if things are changing in their environment, they get more used to that and they get used to being able to handle new situations, even if it's just something small, like you put a couple cones in their pasture, whatever it is, it, it helps them to know that things are going to stay fresh and things are going to stay interesting. No mindless circles here. I try my best to keep things interesting and to, I don't know, shake it up, make it fun, make it fun for them, make it fun for me. And I think it, it, really does wonders. It really, really helps the horses and me, you know, just, yeah, fun is great. Fun is great. You can quote that fun is great. (laughs) Thank you everyone for listening today. I really, really am so excited for this podcast and And I'm really excited to just share more on this platform. I feel like I'm going to be able to dive deeper into uh, different topics that interest me and hopefully interest you and things that I think are important and get even more personal with it. So thank you everyone for listening. If you like the show and you'd like it to continue, please consider subscribing and commenting and sharing it with your friends. Commenting and downloading the episodes actually really, really helps us, especially in these first few days. This first week is kind of crucial. It's kind of critical for just, you know, how the word gets out there. So, so thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And I will see you next Friday. That's uh, Friday, March 9th. I'll see you there. <laughs>